Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. You are now listening to season seven of the show. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Raymond Sun. Ray is a technology lawyer specializing in AI and is based in Sydney, Australia. Ray is also an app developer who's built and launched various software products, including an AI-enabled dance analyzer app, Sync Trainer, a browser extension for reviewing legislation, Oxtract, and a website that tracks AI regulatory developments around the world. Ray actively creates content on AI across YouTube and TikTok under his brand, Techie underscore Ray, and is recognized worldwide for his innovative application of AI in K-pop dance. Ray is also recognized as a top voice on AI regulation on LinkedIn. Ray recently won Australia's Lawyers Weekly 30 Under 30 Technology Lawyer of the Year Award 2023 for his work in AI within the Australian legal sector. So a very big warm welcome, Ray. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And before we dive into all your amazing projects, experiences to date, we do have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality of the law on the scale of 1 to 10 if you've seen it? Oh, probably a 5. <laughs> <laughs> give, it a, give it a pass. <laughs> a 5 and a pass, and let's go on to talk all about you, Ray. So would you mind telling our listeners a bit about your background and career journey? Yeah, well, hi, everyone. So my name is Ray, and... For those, if you want to remember me, my last name is Sun. So Ray Sun, switch it around Sun Ray. Just look up the sky and the sun. And yeah, that's how you remember me. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I'm a technology lawyer. So I'm a lawyer who specializes in advising on AI projects. So I'm trying to become um, something which is an emerging role called an AI lawyer. And basically what I do in a day is I advise clients who want to launch an AI project, would it be a big client or a small client? I advise them on the regulatory and contractual issues surrounding the AI project. And then I try and advise them and also write contracts or review contracts to help mitigate those risks, as well as advising, let's say, big companies to implement something called, let's say, responsible AI governance policies basically frameworks and systems to make sure that the internal staff use and develop AI properly. So that's basically what I do in my day job. And I work in um at a big global law firm um, based in Australia. So I get to interact with a lot of international clients. On the side, I'm an app developer. So I like building, um, I have experience in web dev, mobile dev, and also um, machine learning. My, my angle in AI is computer vision. So I guess my, I'm more well known for creating an AI system that can uh, evaluate dancers. So you can evaluate how synchronized your dance moves are. So basically, you record a video of you and your friends dancing, and you upload it to my app. And you'll just ex- evaluate how difficult the dance was and how synchronized you all danced. And that's basically, um, I've been also building other various products, which I'm happy to talk to later. And I also create content on the site on YouTube, TikTok, and LinkedIn. YouTube and TikTok, I like to uh, talk about AI hacks and tips and tricks. On LinkedIn, I like to talk about AI regulation. And that's, I love reading about AI regulation on the side. And yeah, just wanting to see how the world and industry develops. Yeah. 
incredible and it's absolutely with the times and where everything is going and it's super exciting and, and congratulations on all the work you've been doing i want to go back just a quick step because obviously you're, you're in the role now you're a tech lawyer doing all this amazing stuff where did it start for you where did you always want to be a lawyer did you always sort of have an interest in technology just tell us a little bit more about your sort of journey leading up to uh, where you are today yeah, it started when I was six years old, and when I watched when I watched the first episode of Iron Man, <laughs> Tony Stark and the Iron Man suit, it got me hooked into just robots in general. But I was more fascinated with the AI system that Tony Stark used, the Java system, basically his AI butler that that automates everything in his home for him. And since then, I always wanted to do something in robotics or AI. Back then, I didn't know it was called AI. I just knew it was just somewhere around tech and machines. And fast forward to high school, I really love playing computer games. My friends and I love playing computer games to the point that we wanted to create our own computer games. And to do so, you have to learn how to code. And so that was my motivation to, to learn programming. I learned like Java, Python, just so that I could build my own games. And I built quite a few games just as a hobby. So that was the programming bit. And yeah, I've, I've considered whether I wanted to become like a software engineer or some tech person in space. But at the same time, I was also developing an interest in law. Initially, I was hooked into watching detective shows like Detective Conan, Sherlock Holmes, stuff like that, as well as this really cool, um, this really cool game called Ace Attorney, where you basically play as a lawyer, um, just, just doing arguments and doing like cool stuff. So that also got me interested in law. And so when it came down to um, deciding what I want to do for uni, it's quite a simplistic, um, I guess, decision-making process. But I thought, you know, you can make tech and engineering a hobby, but it's really hard to make law a hobby. Like, <laughs> unless you like reading judgments in your spare time, law is more of a career type of vocation. So that's why I decided to do law as a career and tech as a hobby. And I've been doing that since then. And initially, yeah, I programming was more of a hobby i never really expected it would you know cross over to my career but no the direction i'm going towards tech law i've noticed that even though i don't do a lot of programming in my lawyer job the knowledge i have from programming allows me to be confident and be bold and just 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 um be able be comfortable with tackling technically difficult issues and yeah, since then, it's been a nice uh, bias, dual skill set that has helped, I guess, in my career so far. Yeah, and it's, it's just fantastic listening to you, how you've been able to kind of combine your expertise in tech law with your passion for app development as well. And everything that you're sort of trying to do and educate others as well. I'm going to talk more about social media and the other platforms that you're creating and building. Um, mm. But just let's talk about some of the, the clients you advise in your current role. You touched on a bit of a typical day. Just give us a bit more of some of the client portfolio you're involved in advising. Yeah, so our advice for a range of small to big clients and they all come from various um, sectors and industries and also jurisdictions. So on the startup side, that's where I work a lot with um, small businesses who are trying to launch an AI service, some very innovative AI service. And uh, often they have small budget they want, you know, very practical advice. What are the key risks they should look out for and what risks they should mitigate over time? I advise them on that. And also, also help set up some of their preliminary fundamental documentation, whether it be their product terms, conditions, their privacy policies. 
stuff like that. So as a tech lawyer, I'm also in the privacy field. So that's also another area that I specialize in. Um, for the bigger clients, these are these can range from you know, the big banks or big telco companies or any you know uh, big you know top 500 shareholder companies where they want to implement some AI service or they want to integrate AI into their internal business process and they want me to help advise them on the risks of using AI and you know as I said before help set up some governance frameworks or companies who want to procure AI services I help review the supply contracts for them um advise them what the risks are um I think that the top issues that they're most interested in especially in the AI field is IP um privacy and consumer protection these are often the issues that I uh, talk to a lot and also just the general contractual stuff like liability and indemnities um the good stuff like that um but yeah that's basically um the more detailed huh, recount of what I do so it's it's fair to say it's varied it's busy it's exciting it's cutting edge oh yeah um, it's fantastic it is it's very unpredictable yeah yeah it's like a lot of variety I, I don't really actually I don't really know when people ask him what do you do in a day I actually didn't really know how to answer that question because every day feels very different which I like yeah yeah it keeps you on your toes that's for sure and talking of toes you mentioned briefly before a little bit about your app which I'm really excited to learn more about so tell us more about your AI enabled dance analyzer app called sync trainer um yeah how did you come about creating it yeah yeah well I guess the genesis is that um, I'm also a dancer. I like to dance on the side. And prior to COVID, I regularly attended dance classes until COVID hit and then there was a lockdown and no more classes. So I tried to learn dance off YouTube videos, but it, it just wasn't the same without a teacher. And at the same time, you know, I was, you know, continuing to develop my programming skills. And that was when I was, you know, looking into machine learning. This was all before ChatGPT. So this was all before AI was really hyped up. <laughs> so I was doing all this stuff yeah. purely for interest. And I was thinking, you know, why not I create an AI system that teaches me dance or more specifically evaluates my dance moves. And that got me, that steered me into the direction of studying computer vision, pose estimation. It's all self-taught at that point, you know, just watching videos, reading papers, just doing a lot of research down the rabbit hole research until like after a few months I, I developed a algorithm that basically it analyzes the dance video you want to dance to it and analyzes your cover dance video compares the two videos and see how similar you dance to the original dancer and it returns screenshots as to where you could improve upon the thing that I think I, I, I was proud of was I vlogged my entire learning process so as I was learning it as I was building the program I vlogged it. So I posted that vlog on my YouTube account and it got quite a bit of traction. People thought it was a very creative use case of AI until one person suggested that I, why not apply this algorithm um, to um, professional dancers? So it actually evaluate professional dance videos. And that's where I decided to um, apply my algorithm to analyze K-pop dance groups. I'm also a huge K-pop fan. And the thing about K-pop dance is that they're all about synchronization. You watch a random K-pop dance dance video, synchronization is like the main the main thing they they're doing. And so I applied my algorithm to those videos and basically produced a ranking system as to which K-pop group was the most synchronized. It got hugely viral in Asia. 
um and it got millions of views on my youtube and that kind of kick-started my youtube journey and my content creation journey and since then like i've just been making videos on about ai and dance and so as other areas at one point um i collaborated with a japanese entertainment company to use my algorithm for one of their um tv shows um also i worked with them they 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 they, they based then they had this ai analyzer system on the tv show which was cool and i got a lot of requests from viewers to to you know because back because throughout this whole process my my system was private and proprietary but i got a lot of requests from users to uh to help um have me analyze their dance videos and that's when i thought why not make my tool public so that's why i got into mobile dev and creating a mobile phone version of my dance analyzer app which is now called sync trainer and yeah it's now available for free on android and ios and people can now use it to analyze the dance moves in addition to any other synchronized routine like gymnastics martial arts etc yeah i think it's amazing just absolutely amazing well done Thank and it you. doesn't stop there because your browser extension obstract oh, yeah. uh, is designed to review legislation so how yeah. have you come up with that idea and how's it been received by legal professionals and yeah you probably picked up on the theme right now that I've been I built apps to solve my personal problems first. So just the sync trainer whole origin was to solve my just personal dancing practice problems. Same story with Oxtrack. It's just to solve my own, I guess, peeves. So as lawyers, you know, you're constantly reviewing legislation and legislation. In Australia, we have this you know, website that hosts all the legislation, but the website isn't that user-friendly and you might relate um whenever you review legislation look at a clause the clause contains let's say defined terms and cross-references you have to scroll up and down the act to, to find those definitions and cross-references so i thought why not just create a browse extension that modifies the layout of the website so that when you click on a clause it shows you all the definitions and cross-references on the side without you having to scroll up and down um pretty simple idea i was surprised that no one really built a tool for that but i just did it i just did it it helped me personally and i thought you know why not just launch it as a public tool for other colleagues to use and yeah that's how oxtrack came about you to me are the definition of the o-shaped lawyer where we talk about the next generation of legal talent that are open opportunistic you know thinking about entrepreneurial ways to to solve problems because i think you know it's fantastic that you don't just sit on a problem and complain you go out there and find a solution and actually work on it so well done i want to talk about your website because it tracks the ai regulatory uh, developments well, worldwide as well i understand yeah. the website does that tracking what are some of the most significant trends or changes you've observed in ai regulation in recent months that's a very good question well currently i'm seeing three three categories of regulations developing the first category are your countries that already have enforce legislation or draft legislation or, or regulation on ai and these really only include a couple of the big countries so the eu china canada brazil south korea and later eventually the us and there's a spectrum of these sort of countries so we see let's say the eu they're really front-running the whole risk-based approach regulation where you're trying to regulate ai as a whole and based on how risky the certain AI application is. In contrast, you have China's approach where they're targeting specific 
AI applications. So they actually discriminate certain AI applications to be regulated under Chinese law. Uh, that's the first category. The second category is where most countries sit in, including the UK and Australia. These countries, they don't have an AI-specific regulation. They either have um, a ethics framework or some guidance policy of some sort, but mostly rely on a patchwork of other existing laws like privacy, IP, consumer protection laws to just control those risks of AI. And then the last category are basically countries who are still very early in AI regulation thinking or they have not yet prioritized AI regulation or they've openly decided to not regulate AI. And probably the big examples there include, let's say, Indonesia, they've only just started thinking about AI ethics and also India, where they've actually announced that they won't regulate AI at all for the time being. They want their market to like catch up with innovation. And until a certain point, that's when the, they'll um, actually consider AI regulation. So these are the three broad trends I'm seeing across the world. Yeah, no, and uh, they're fascinating trends. And thank you for giving such a sort of comprehensive answer to that. Time for a short break from the show. Are you still relying on spreadsheets to manage your legal matters? There's a better way to work. Our sponsor, Clio, is the cloud-based legal software that will transform the way your law firm operates. They offer legal practice management and client onboarding software that doesn't cost the earth. In fact, from as little as £49 per month, you can cut out all of those tedious admin tasks that you dread doing each week, each month. Automate the boring stuff, free up more time for the important stuff, that's what you get with Clio. Your clients will thank you for it, your bank account will thank you for it, your colleagues will thank you for it, and you can even thank me later for telling you all about it. So head to clio.com forward slash legally speaking to see how Clio can help you. That's C-L-I-O dot com forward slash legally speaking. Now back to the show. Let's talk about content because you are a, a content creator. Create content on YouTube, TikTok, focusing particularly on AI under your brand, techie underscore Ray. You've been globally yeah. recognized as you've touched on in China, the US, South Korea, Malaysia and the Philippines. What have been some of your most popular videos today oh well i guess in terms of view counts my most popular videos when i applied my ai to analyze a bunch of k-pop the first ever video where i applied ai to analyze k-pop groups um that got i think it's nearly two million views on on youtube which is for me it was very big as a small youtube back then yeah that was like basically that that was the whole kickstarted for me to continue to um content creation so I've been creating these um, AI analyzes K-pop dance series, which is a, a playlist of nearly th like 30 or 40 videos. So I have this playlist that's going on, but also have separate playlists on other topics. So one other popular video is where I used AI to generate dance choreography. So again, this was all before ChatGPT and the whole rise of generative AI. This is around 2020 where I built an algorithm that can create dance animations based on the music that you give it to. So you upload the music and based on that music, it'll create a dance animation and you can then follow the animation and that can then be the basis for your choreography. So that did that. I also have a, a bunch of other videos where I teach programming. So I've got a few videos where I talked about some tips for beginners to get into programming. 
and also have courses on on Udemy and Skillshare. Wherever we have like a like a crash course on how to learn JavaScript and web dev, which is quite which is quite good. I've got at least um a thousand students across this platform just learning how to code from me. So yeah, it's basically a quick gist of the content I make. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic, and it's an inspiring for the listeners. I'm I'm, I'm sure how how you do all this on top of obviously working for one of the top law firms in Australia in the the tech legal role that you have. You've rightly also won top voice on AI regulation on LinkedIn. What do you think are the biggest challenges in regulating AI technology, and how can these potentially be addressed? Yeah, well, yeah, I do like LinkedIn's like the place where I post a lot of my thoughts and quick bite-sized updates on what's happening around the world. And um, yeah, just quickly, um, I guess the big four questions that I think are like, number one, how do you define AI? Number two, who do you regulate? Number three, um, how do you regulate in terms of what controls and restrictions do you place? And number four, how do you harmonize and align your AI rules um, with your other existing laws? I can go through them one by one. I'm like, number one, what is AI? There's actually no universally accepted definition of AI. It's still very much a debated definition, which makes it hard for rule makers because laws are all based on definition. So you have that challenge. Then you have who to regulate. There's so many stakeholders involved in AI project, whether it be the developer, the importer, distributor, consumer. You can look at how the the EU have structured their the, the the draft law. You can see how they try to um, define certain rules and liabilities for each stakeholder. But you have that question. Then you have the second question of what rules and obligation to impose. Is it merely just imposing transparency or notice requirements on AI systems? Or do you actually go out to prohibit specific applications or have a licensing model, which is what the Americans are thinking of right now? And number five, like, and, and the last one, like, how do you make sure your AI law doesn't cut across, undermine, or just contradict your other privacy laws, IP laws, and other relevant laws? So these are some four big universal questions that every country is trying to grapple with in the context of their own circumstances. So very complicated, yeah. Very complicated. And, and some t- might argue this is why the legal system struggles to keep up because it's always been a very yeah. old traditional system. And obviously with the speed of the way AI is going, it's, it's making it a challenge. I want to go back to basics maybe for, for some and for others, maybe they're, they're well up to date with this, but it's important that we give some sort of definitions or differences. What is the difference between AI and machine learning? Because I still think people get confused and don't yeah. quite understand the differences. And then when they hear things like language models, so just give us some clear differentiators because it's very important. Yeah, yeah. So just the quick answer is machine learning is a type of AI. So and so that's the quick answer. So AI, it's a broad umbrella term to really describe any machine that can perform tasks that normally require human intelligence. As I said before, it's a very much disputed definition, but that's generally the most common definition I've seen. But you know, that's a really broad definition. You could arguably, uh, you could argue that any type of software or machine that does some sort of automation is AI because it does something that normally requires human intelligence. The term AI really started in the 1950s and also during the 1970s where we first started seeing computers automate some things. Really, that was the only form of of automation that people knew. So that's why the AI term kind of was attributed to that. But since the 1990s, we saw the rise of like machine learning, which is basically any machine that can process data, learn patterns in that data, 
and create output or predictions based on that data. So basically data-driven machines, the key feature with machine learning is that the machine can learn. So it can learn from its outputs, learn from its mistakes and improve accordingly without being explicitly programmed to do so. And this was a big game changer compared to let's say other traditional rule-based systems or your other early forms of AI. And it's really machine learning that's the dominant poster boy for, for, for AI. And you mentioned other terms like generative AI, language models. These are just subsets of machine learning. So if you want extra, if extra terms, a subset of machine learning is deep learning, which is basically algorithms that simulate how the human brain works. It's structured in a similar way that a human brain is structured. And deep learning is basically in widened the capabilities and functionalities of machines to, to be able to you know, interpret images, interpret sound, etc. So wider range of media content that it can consume and process. And that's where generative AI comes in. Generative AI is basically deep learning that can create content like text, music, art, etc. And language models is basically one of the drivers behind this deep this generative AI boom. So language model, really just a fancy word for an algorithm that can process um, text and like uh, like plain text and natural language. So that's kind of a quick crash course of how these terms differentiate between each other. Yeah, no, thank you again for giving such a comprehensive overview of those different terms. I think people will get a lot of value from that and, and simplifying mm. it for us. Um, let's talk about Australia because you're you're tuning in from over there. Is Australia, well, Australia is making significant strides in AI development. How do you see the future of AI in the Australian legal sector? Yeah, well, the Australia sector, you have to divide it into, let's say, research and development versus regulation versus, let's say, skills to the skills talent pool. So in terms of research yeah. and development, Australia is, is okay. We're not number one, but we're also not last. Somewhere near the middle. Um, but Australia is a, probably a thought leader on AI ethics and AI governance. So we'll think a lot about you know fairness, transparency, all that stuff. Australia is quite a is a leader in that sort of space. But in terms of the actual technological development, it's still very much US, China, Israel, Germany, Japan, those countries. Um, in terms of let's say the the, the skills pool, that's a, that's like a byproduct of the R and D development. Um, because Australia's innovation sector is not the leading one, naturally the skills pool is not leading as well. But we still have a very formidable talent pool in Australia, just building out and developing AI. In terms of regulation, um, Australia is not is not ahead, but it's also not far behind. We're somewhere close to the UK and the US. The UK, US, Australia are quite similar at this stage. They've got some ethics framework in place. They've held some public consultation into how they should craft AI regulations. Right now, Australia is just trying to work out how we should approach AI regulation. So there's a report that's yet to be released on that and a draft regulation to be released as well. So it's around that stage, similar to UK and US, yeah. Interesting. Well, let's see how the plot thickens, that's for sure. What is the most unconventional use of AI that you've come across in your work or research? Unconventional? Oh, let me think. Well, I guess I guess maybe back then when I applied AI to dance, that was considered quite novel and original. So I guess that counts as one example. Yeah, that that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Hmm. I think unconventional, another unconventional case would be, let's say, use of AI in, I don't really think of one right now. It's quite a lot of these cases. 
maybe like the for the really fun the really fun funny cases where using ai to um you know uh, predict what your cat wants to eat in the bre for breakfast I'm, i think i've seen some of those really funny examples on reddit <laughs> yeah but i might have to get back to you on these unconventional ones mostly i've seen like the really um productive and yeah yeah, and I think, you know, there are obviously lots um, of productive cases. I was seeing the other day how AI could potentially help see people through walls, which could be really good from a security oh, yeah. perspective and predicting where yeah. people could go and things like that. It's super interesting to see what can happen. Can you share any exciting upcoming projects or developments in the field of AI or technology law that you're currently working on? So I guess my AI background has really been in the dance tech space. I just made up that word dance tech, but yeah. So I like to just explore something beyond that. Um, definitely in the legal tech space, I'm definitely very interested in how AI can help with just contract reviews. It's quite a popular use case among the legal tech space, just trying to automate contract reviews. I'm probably more interested in like really bespoke domain-specific um, uh, language models. I think that's the future of language models. Right now, we're really... um trying to improve the general language models, but eventually domain-specific language models will be will be the new thing. I've kind of like how Google recently released Palm 2, which is like a medic, medis, medical specific language model, expect something similar in law. And law, there are many different fields of law, right? So I expect to see very law-specific, um, domain-specific um, language models. Like you have your privacy-specific models, your consumer protection models. So I expect to see that and how will um, you know, the legal sector try to build out those models. And yeah, I also like to play around with them and see how I can apply to my own work. In terms of just broader innovation, this is and this can this kind of come, this this might come back to the unconventional use case. I'm really um curious about the emerging field of something called synthetic biological intelligence. Um, this is basically, it started in, well, right now, um, the most recent development was based in Melbourne, Australia, where a bunch of scientists use brain stem cells, so stem cells that have developed into brain cells. They've organized those brain cells in a certain way that resembles, let's say, a neural network, and they applied that brain matter and they trained it to let it play Pong. So this game, right? And through various iterations, it was able to learn how to play Pong. And it's very interesting because it's an it's a AI that's built on brain matter, like organic brain matter instead of just a, a certain algorithm. So I find that really cool because if if through this experiment we can further learn how brain cells work, this is still very much a black box. How do brain cells actually work? And if we can build more sophisticated systems based on these organic brain cells, that who 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 knows? I'm I'm speculating, but we might be able to uncover intelligence. Oh, oh sorry, sentience and emotions in AI because we're working with organic brain matter. So that's something I'm really excited to see how it develops. That that's super exciting, and it gets me thinking about could we basically create our own digital twins, you know, in theory. Oh, yeah. Um, with, with, yeah. Things, with things like that, which are already sort of a thing in business. I know a lot of um, tech entrepreneurs have created digital twins, but that can go to another level, particularly thinking of the human brain cells. That's in incredible. How do you stay up to date, you know, with the rapidly evolving world of AI? What are some resources or communities you'd recommend for people? Personally, I just like reading this. Like, I, I procrastinate, really, by just looking up random AI news. <laughs> so I feel like that kind of helps me keep up to date. But yeah, I, I, 
I have a, as a programmer myself, I'm always into automating things. So I do have a system. I do have built a system that kind of feeds news to me. And I use that to can update my, my LinkedIn or my, my AI regulation tracker. So I have that sort of system going on for me, which I plan to create a public facing version very soon. So I get that, that's, that's another project that I'm looking forward to release. It's not, it's not really an AI project. It's more just a, like a newsfeed project, but yeah, it's just another project that I'm working on to keep you up to date. Yep, you definitely keep busy. And finally, before we let you go, Ray, what advice do you have for aspiring technology lawyers looking to make an impact in the field of AI? Mm, maybe just two tips. I think number one, like be genuinely passionate and interested in technology. Um, I think right now it's a really hot field and that some people are going into it because of the hype or just to pad up their resume, thinking that it's going to be a good career. It is very fun, interesting, but uh, it's still very early stage as well. And there's a lot of reading, a lot of keeping up to date. It's one of those fields where you can't, you can't just sit and forget. You're always learning new things. And the thing that you learned yesterday might be obsolete tomorrow. So there's that sort of rapid pace that I feel like those who are genuinely interested in the topic area are able to keep up. But let's just say you are really interested, which is great. I think another thing is actually have fun and have a go at playing around with these AI tools. Like you can read a lot of journal articles, papers, and watch a lot of lectures to get up to speed with the book theory of AI. But I feel like those who actually built AI, played around with AI, or even just mingled with the developer communities, the software engineering community, have a much deeper practical understanding of the technology. Because often, I guess one of the, the common commentary I see among, let's say, the EU or other countries that are trying to implement AI law is that there's often a disconnect between lawmakers and the actual people who are deep in the tech. Um, I feel like it's very important if you want to be a, a competent tech lawyer, just to have an understanding of both sides and be able to... Uh, talk the talk and also walk the walk. I'm still learning a lot myself. And the more I learn, the more I realize that I actually don't know a lot. So it's just having fun with the learning process as well and just actually be practical with your learning. Yeah. I love that. And it's some, when I was doing some talks recently on some panels around tech and AI, you know, curiosity, staying curious, being open to yeah. learning what you're saying and definitely being passionate. And like you say, try these things and have fun along the way. I love that. Ray, I guarantee you would have inspired so many of our listeners around the world listening to this. If they want to oh, learn more you. about your career, where can they find out more about techie underscore Ray, Sync Trainer or Oxtrack? Yeah. Tell us with their handles. We'll share them with this episode for you too. Yeah. Oh, I have my personal website, www.techyray.com. It's a website. It has, it has all my socials in there. It has my story in there. All the links are in there. It's a one-stop shop about me. So, And it also includes a link to my global AI regulation tracker. So yeah. That's just a one-place stop. Fantastic. Ray, this has been absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed listening to you, learning from you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. So wishing you lots of continued success with your legal and entrepreneurial pursuits. But for now, for all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, over and out.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you like the content here, why not check out our world-leading content and collaboration hub, the Legally Speaking Club, over on Discord. Go to our website, www.legallyspeakingpodcast.com for the link to join our community there. Over and out.